Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. One of the funniest things is the Auburn boosters made up and tried to manufacture a personal foible scandal to get rid of Brian Harson last year, which turned out to be untrue so that they could rally around a coach that had a personal foible scandal. SI's Ross Dillinger. This uh, reminds me of one of those uh, debates of separating the art from the artist. You know, people talk about musicians and stuff like that and who maybe do some unsavory things uh, off the stage. But man, still can't get that song out of my head. And SI's Pat Forty. Crazy attracts crazy, and this is the perfect match. This is a guy with a lot of baggage who can win games at a school that does not care at all about baggage and wants to win games. Here's Pat, Russ, and Dan. I right, well, the pod, we've got the penultimate college football playoff rankings such a fun word i think they throw that in there in like all the releases because it sounds kind of dramatic they do they do and just you only got a few times you can use that word every year like (laughs) in the course of a year yeah second to last with hyphens and stuff that's a little more difficult yeah there it is penultimate number one georgia held on held off michigan number two michigan Number three, TCU. Number four, South Car- uh, Southern California. I'm sorry, Southern California. Don't want the cock commanders getting too excited. There. <laughs> They've had a nice little run here lately. Nice but run, but not, not, not that, that, good. that good. Not that good. No. Sorry. Mike Boo Corrigan out here. Southern <laughs> Cal at uh, four. Five is the Ohio State Buckeyes. Six is Alabama. Seven is Tennessee. And the Tennessee fans are just irate. Oh, boy. They've, they've got, they're on the muscle. Right now. Yeah. On the conference call, there was some beef about Utah. And I don't know. I mean, you start getting down into these, like, micro fights. Right. Like, who's who's 17th and stuff. Like, this makes no sense. They reversed themselves uh, repeatedly. We had Boo Corrigan, the NC State uh, AD, who has to be the pinata here. He described, first he made a calculated error in saying that the Ohio State and Alabama were locked in at five and six. And uh, presumably they are since yeah. neither play. Yeah, they but really should under- be, right? Well, they, they don't like saying anything. That This is, it's yeah. just a, this is such an exercise in folly. Yeah, right. It's like, uh, uh, I don't know, whatever. 
What's that one with the rabbit in the, the what's the the rabbit book? The rabbit follows, hole. What the, she follows Allison, the rabbit. What's the one where she follows the Alice, oh, Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, 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 that thing. yeah. This is it. Like none of it makes sense. I don't know. Just did nonsense. you not read these books to your kids as when they were little? Come on, epic athletes on. only yeah. around here. <laughs> <laughs> we go high literature. <sighs> anyway, yeah. So I, I don't know. So he said that they couldn't. So uh, presumably, right? Ohio State is five. Alabama is six. So they're the the. The beef is that if if USC loses, the committee will throw them out. They may throw TCU out, too. Who knows? We'll get to that. But then Ohio State would be automatically popped in. But I guess conceivably, LSU could defeat Georgia resoundingly and increase, like, Alabama's good losses. Mm. And then at the same time, Purdue mm. could crush Michigan and weaken Ohio State's loss. The old good losses. Uh, I, I mean, yeah. we're down to some just like fringe See, stuff. That, I mean, yeah, yeah. Everybody's trying too hard here. Look, I, I mean, if you think Ohio State's ahead of Alabama today, then they should stay ahead of Alabama. Regardless I, I of agree. what happens in ancillary games. When Yeah, they're not even playing. My, my opinion that the field should be set and, and you cannot – logically punish a team. I mean, look, one, two, three, four are all playing games this weekend. Five, six, seven, eight are not. Okay, nobody can play their way in. So my theory is you can't play your way out this year. Boo Corrigan is oblivious to that concept. He called (laughs) it a good opportunity for the top four teams and a bonus game. Mm. Uh, What if you lose? Only bad things can happen this weekend. That's (laughs) it. No bonus. Yeah. Come on. There's there is one game in which somebody can gain something tangible here, and that's the American Athletic Conference Championship, where the winner's going to a New Year's Six Bowl. Right. <clears throat> Other than that, you're losing your way out of things. I mean, obviously, if you're Purdue and you could win a Big Ten championship, fine. But in terms of the playoff and the New Year's Six, there's only you can only go down. Other than the American, that's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, I thought maybe he would kind of wink and nod and be like, eh, you know, but. No, he didn't understand what, what they were even talking about. He got asked. I was going to go on the conference call, but then I thought I'd get irate and do one of my rants that you've heard on this pod. And I'd that just be yelling, fun, you irate? A rant? No. no. Yeah. I just, I'd just i be yelling like at Boo Corrigan. I don't, he's not a bad guy. Like, <laughs> no, I don't need to not. do he's No, he's a nice young. guy. I don't need to be like fighting with, with the NC State AD over some theoretical uh, <laughs> application to about a, a TV show, bull- too. Yeah, I bought a TV show. Like, what? I'm like, I'm not calling in. I'll get angry. I'll get angry. <laughs> so I, somebody did ask. I don't know who asked the question. Thank you. They brought it up. They asked, like, how does the committee? Why, how could the committee even do this if if you're not playing the 13th game? Boo had no idea what he was. The, the question was. As we look at it, we're <laughs> going to come back in in here on Friday and get together and watch games on Friday and Saturday. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, and go back into the room and make sure we select the right four teams and, quite frankly, the right 25 teams to be ranked. And certainly that's mm. going to be part of their body of work. That championship game will be part of their body of work. That will be part of the determination as we go through this whole process. Body so of work. It has not dawned on anybody in the in the meeting room. I know there's people on this committee that listen to this podcast. So somebody, somebody tell Boo over your little Friday, Saturday watch party. <laughs> Come on now. Right? I'm not naming right? names. I could out you. I could out you. 
<laughs> don't do it. Standing deal. We not. We don't out who listens to this quite unpopular podcast. That's right. That's right. We do. We actually Ross, do have a thoughts on the rankings. Good. Uh, look, basically, SC's got to win or they're out. That's what I'm. Um, I, the way I I read it. Yeah. I don't believe it, but I think USC has yeah. to win. TCU may not. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think the rankings were basically no surprise at all, really, in the top, what, six, seven. I think, you know, I think the biggest controversy really isn't that big at all because I don't think these either team has a chance to get in the top four. It's Alabama and Tennessee and why Alabama's ranked in front of Tennessee. And like you mentioned earlier, the Vols fans are all hot about it because they beat Alabama and they each team has the same losses. I think there's arguments to be made for both of those things, right? Like, yes, Al- Tennessee did beat Alabama at home on a last-second field goal and allowed, whatever, 46 points to Alabama or whatever it was. And then 49. I think Alabama probably would say, well, we didn't lose by four touchdowns to South Carolina, you know? So mm-hmm. I, I think there's arguments on each side. But the, the top six, I think it's exactly what is expected. And the way it came down is exactly – what I think Danny just said, like I think Michigan, Georgia, and Ohio, and um, TCU, if they all win, they'll they'll be in. If they all lose, they'll probably be in. I think it all comes down to the Pac-12 championship game. If if USC loses, I think they're probably out. And Ohio State is the four seed. If, if USC wins, they're they're in, and they're the they're the four seed. Pretty simple this year. It's funny we talked all season about it, this chaotic year. And we might have like five teams with one losses vying for the four seed. And look, we got one. Yeah, everything everything cleared itself out, as it often does. Yeah. You know? But it took a while this time. But, you know, like the, like the Tennessee loss to South Carolina was maybe the biggest X factor in this whole thing in terms of like upsetting that whole one-loss apple cart. Yep. And Clems- but- Clemson to Tennessee, yeah, those were the – yeah, 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 and then South LSU. Carolina, South Carolina blew up the playoff, and then yeah, LSU, South Carolina yeah. blew it up, yeah. and Notre Dame rolled over for it. Yeah, uh, yeah. but it beat Clemson, LSU too, blowing their yeah. their yes. their shot. Yes. Yeah, three yeah. big things happened. Yeah, so, LSU won, South Carolina mm-hmm. beat Clemson, and and uh, LSU and lost. Yeah. Or what am I? Or LSU lost, Tennessee law lost South Carolina and then what was the other thing that happened? Oh Clemson. Clemson Clemson. Clemson. No, I just yep. said that. What the yep. hell? What am I thinking? What am I what am I missing here? Damn it. Guest appearance tonight by Boo Cord. Golly, I know. <laughs> Who's playing in the big tw- big ten title game? Penn State. That's why cool. I don't even blame the guy. He's thrown on national TV after spending Oh, it's a thankless job. It's terrible. Yeah. yeah. Oh. And that's the He's thing like you know I mean part of the the thanklessness of this is You've just gone through this huge holistic exercise and somebody who's a beat writer, and I understand the beat writers have all got their job, but it's like, what about Tennessee's resume against Alabama? And you're like, wow. dude, I just looked at 25 yeah. resumes. I What? What? Oh, yeah, there. You know, I mean, it's like, I understand that it's a tough position to be in, but that's what the television show is all about, making that guy look bad. Yep. Well, they'll say, like, we had extensive discussion over whether UCF or North Carolina should be 22 <laughs> or 23. You're like, really? <laughs> what would that entail? That's the yeah. boringest conversation I've ever heard of. <laughs> yeah, three hours later, you hate yourself for having yeah. had that conversation. I don't care who's 23. Uh, all right, so let me just say this. T- Georgia, Michigan, we're just not going to discuss these two. They're they're in. Done. TCU. I mean, this would be a brutal loss by Michigan. Purdue isn't even ranked. But I don't know. I I just don't see it. 
because they'd have to put Ohio State in, and it's just not happening. Michigan's got like the nice blockade of Ohio State at five. All right, so if TCU loses, they would be losing to the number 10 team in the country on a neutral site with the possibility of Kansas State then moving up. I think they could get, could like Clemson could lose or Penn State, maybe you bump them in front of Penn State. So like a TCU loss to Kansas State wouldn't really even be that bad, would it? I think that was one of the bigger developments, actually, is K-State being in the top 10, moving up two spots to be 10th, being the top three-loss team. Yeah. I think they, they've paved the way for TCU to lose and still be in this thing. Yeah. It's a, not a bad loss unless you lose by 28 points. Well, and if you lose badly and USC wins, then they probably would just flip, right? They might flip, yeah, flop. Yeah, but the, you maybe the, don't the fall out, right? Right. I yeah. don't think you fall out. You'd be saying, look, we have a, a, a loss – on a neutral site to the to a top 10 team, K-State would probably move up with the quality victory. They would then have 10 wins, the same number as Penn State, who really beat nobody. And, yeah, I could see K-State being eight. And at that point, I don't think it, you got 12 wins and you're only lost to the neutral site. Okay, conversely, Southern California would have two losses, but Utah could, would also probably move up. And they could get into 10-9 territory. So that also would be two top 10 losses. Is that enough to hold off Ohio State? Will the committee come to its senses and listen to my plan? It's to the same team. And as Mm. Tony Kornheiser asked me on his podcast, why don't we put Utah in then? If you Mm. you think USC should be in, but they can't beat Utah. You know, I I think two losses to the same team would actually probably hurt them. Yeah, it would probably. I think they'll do it. I don't think they should, but I think they'll dump them. And then yeah. they're not going to put Michigan at one because they don't want that Michigan-Ohio State. No, can't have that. Part Even though two. they're not supposed to seed that way. They should. They should think about that. Nobody wants they, a rematch in the first round like that. No, they can right. seed. They, there's literally no rules. They're making they it up so as they go, they Dan. They're making it up as they go. <laughs> Flying the ship I mean, and are. building it. Yeah. I mean, what was the – where was this it was, quote? It was, it was something. part of the uh, – Go ahead. Like the Mike Slive genius of this whole thing was to just keep it vague, though. Yeah. Pick the four best teams, period. And then everything else kind of gets filtered in and out situationally and, you know, whatever's going to work. Oh, this is good. They, they, they said Utah was ahead of Ohio – or no, uh, USC was ahead of Ohio State, which I think is a reasonable debate. So they pro- what they should have done is put Ohio State four and then given us some drama that, that USC could jump in. But they right. literally say um, – their one law, their one loss is this is USC. You probably remember this: a two point conversion against Utah in a quote emotionally charged game. Oh, <laughs> well, the Michigan Ohio State look, game wasn't emotionally charged. Look out, emotionally charged. Well, it hey, was, they lost by three touchdowns, though. You know, they were on uh, the yeah. road. I'll yeah. give them that. Yeah. Not all emotionally like, charged. I would rather be on the trucked. road. Ohio Stadium was a was a coffin on Saturday afternoon. Remember we got down the field, Pat, and it was oh, just like boy. it was a oh, morgue. Boy. It the was a morgue except energy. for the people that were really mad. They were yeah. mad. The Michigan it was worse than playing on the road. It was. Absolutely. The yeah. last quarter in that place, even in the press box, you could tell. I mean, in the last half, it was like Oh, they started oh, getting nervous. My God, are we gonna lose this game? All right, so this is where we're at. This thing could be over by Friday night if if USC wins. I could make the argument Bama deserves to be ahead of Ohio State, uh, but again, all this is just, I don't know. 
Uh, but it's it's not a great argument. It's just sort of an argument. I'm afraid we're out of arguments. Yeah, yeah. it's just not working here. It's not a great argument. Bama doesn't. Bama <laughs> Sorry, doesn't. a really bad they... podcast realization. We're out. Of I know. Arguments. I can draw. I can pretend we're the the the, the <laughs> selection show and like make crap up. Yeah. I know. I mean, it just is what it is. I think I wish they would get rid of conference championship weeks. I wish they took next week off, played the first round of a 12 team in two weeks, then the 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 second round in three weeks, back to back, then take a break and play the semifinals on New Year's Day afternoon and evening. Money, 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 this money, is money, not money, necessary, money. Especially when we have a 12 team mm-hmm. playoff. This is totally not necessary. Money, money, right? money. Yep. Yeah, money, yep, money, yep. money. Like they're not making money on a, on a slate. They're of, uh, broke. You well, haven't heard? They're rubbing nickels together, so, man. I know. I know. I mean, yeah. Hugh Freeze only getting six point five. So I know. Only. <laughs> All right. Let's get to this coaching carousel. And uh, to me, no higher, more impressive than Wisconsin getting Luke Fickle to leave Cincinnati and come to Madison. Uh, we talk sometimes about how you never know till it happens, and so you never know. But uh, uh, there, there's legitimately nothing else you could probably want. This is probably the single best coach that Wisconsin could have reasonably attracted. Nick Saban wasn't going to quit Alabama. Even then, at 70 or whatever he is, you, you know, like, this is this is great. Luke Fickle... Incredible job at Cincinnati. Previously was at Ohio State, played at Ohio State, got recruiting ties in Ohio. I think he's going to upgrade their recruiting. I think they're going to get more athletic. Uh, I think they had nine draft picks he developed last year. Is that right? Nine? I didn't call him yes. about it. I talked to him. Nine nine draft picks at Cincinnati. Nine. I mean. At and, Cincinnati. That is taking yeah. players and developing them. Yeah. You look at Sauce Gardner, defensive AFC defensive player of the year, rookie of the year, I mean. Kobe Bryant doing well. Like, so you he's got an eye for talent. He develops them. He runs an excellent offense, solid as can be, fits. I mean, just just a great hire for Wisconsin. The real issue was wow, does he want to go there? And I think he just kind of got boxed out. Like last year, the timing was bad with the playoff. He couldn't go to Notre Dame. Ohio State has got Ryan Day, and he's a young guy, and uh, not on the verge of getting fired, no matter what the sports talk radio callers in Columbus say. <laughs> James Franklin has got a, you know, some mega deal uh, at Penn State, and if an old Buckeye could take a, a, the Michigan job, well, I mean, Harbaugh could be there for life. So, I guess this is the next best one, other than going south. Pat, thoughts on Fickle to Wisconsin for both Fickle and Wisconsin? Absolute home run for Wisconsin. We'll see if it is for Fickle. I think it's. I mean, I think it's a good move for Fickle too. He was ready to go, as you alluded to. The timing was not going to work last year. He was not, unlike Brian Kelly, going to walk out on a potential playoff team. wasn't going to engage with other people. So, but but he was he was ready. He was he was you know even though he like I think I feel like he thinks. He did his job fully at Cincinnati, and he did, obviously, better than anybody could have expected. But if you look at the sum total of it, you stay with that group of players that was a very special group, a huge nucleus of seniors, plus some very talented underclassmen, and you get them to the playoff. 
Uh, you go undefeated in the regular season two years in a row. You get Cincinnati into the Big 12, you know, a game-changing conference affiliation. And, okay, my work here is done. What else can I do? And I'm a Midwestern guy. Like, I I think, you know, if, if Luke Fickle had gone to USC, I think he would do great. If he had gone to LSU, I think he would do great. But he is a Midwestern fit through and through. And so, yeah, you go down the list of what, what are the best jobs there? And none of them are available. Wisconsin is that next one after Michigan, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Penn State, in whatever order. It's the fifth best job. It can be a real good job. And to me, it signals that Penn, that Wisconsin's like, we don't necessarily want to stay the fifth best job. We want to try to become the fourth, third, or first, second mm-hmm. or first best. So it is a big move and a big win for Wisconsin. Yeah, it. it uh, this one does scream like, I've done all I can here, you know, uh, last year, getting them to the playoffs and developing, like you guys said, developing all the NFL players. It felt like that was the ceiling at, at Cincinnati. He got them, he got them to the ceiling, probably, probably broke through the ceiling. I don't know if anybody expected him to lead a group of five team to the playoff for the first time and, and they got in. And so I think that was kind of the ceiling, you know, I think a lot of people were waiting for or thinking that Luke was was going to wait for three, two or three jobs, you know, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Michigan. Notre Dame came open last year, and like Dan said, kind of uh, the timing just wasn't right of all the times to for one of those three jobs to come open, and and then he's got a team in the playoff. It just didn't work out timing wise, and you know, I think that if I had to guess. Not like I've talked to him about it, but I guess that was a little disappointing, him not getting that job and the timing not working out there. And uh, again, probably reached the ceiling. And in the fact they, you know, they lost to Tulane and so they're not playing this coming weekend, the timing worked out. And I do think it's it's probably going to be, I mean, the cycle's not over yet, but it's probably going to be the best hire of the cycle for any co- any. Any team, any program, I, I think people would make arguments for rule in Nebraska. People might make arguments for freeze at Auburn, but I would say that getting Luke Fickle, who has turned down multiple interest in multiple jobs over the years, getting him to to leave is is the biggest biggest splash of the cycle. So Wisconsin has uh, really been the program of the West of the Big Ten West. I mean, you look through them, just 10 win seasons all over the place, 13 win seasons sometimes. Uh, They won under Paul Christ. Gary Anderson did not stay long, uh, but they won with him. They certainly won with Brett Bielema. They won with Barry Alvarez. I mean, this is a long run of really, really good seasons. They've occasionally dip, but it's there. And I wonder, you know, we've, we've heard the talk that the Big Ten will go away from divisions. I don't believe that's set in stone yet, but it's possible. And and you lose that maybe that ease. If not, let's say they do keep divisions. I could see them adding SC and UCLA and maybe kicking Purdue to the east to play with Indiana. Either way, it's going to get harder to win the West. And and we're gonna we'll get to Matt Rule at Nebraska. But I, I think that Fickle can upgrade the program a little bit. And I say that with the acknowledgement that this is a team that I think I think what during we did those mock playoffs that they had done them the last eight years, like Wisconsin would have hosted three playoff games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. this is a really good program, but you know I just think that program needed a little bit of a 
it didn't need a dramatic like we're going in a complete different direction. But it, a little bit different direction and maybe a little bit of fresh blood that Fickle will bring in. And I think he's going to be able to recruit Chicago and Ohio and Michigan where he got, you know, guys like Gardner and maybe be a little bit more of a factor. Uh, he certainly believes they have enough money in NIL and they're fully committed or he wouldn't have gone. I just, I think he can, he can change Wisconsin football, which just has such immense potential because the fan base and, and the proximity to particularly Chicago land. Yeah. They, I mean, they do have the potential as you pointed out, the track record's really good. And that's, you know, one of the things people always look at when, whether it's conference affiliation or whether it's a good place to work is, are you a one trick pony where you, what was your program only good when you had a great coach or did you have it over multiple periods of time? And they have, as you, you read off the list of coaches who have won there. So it's doable. They got a, 80,000-seat stadium, and they fill it. Their fans go on the road. People watch their games on TV. Their TV ratings are solid. It's The, the athletic program in general is built on a good foundation. And while Wisconsin is not a great hotbed of football talent, you can recruit, as Dan said, Chicago. Uh, Milwaukee's got some players. You get over to the other side of the Great Lakes, you get into Detroit, you get down into Ohio. Sure, you can find players. It can work there. And I do agree. I think Fickle is the attempt to go from good to great or very good to great and to see what can happen if you get just break, just break out a little bit of the old reliable Wisconsin mode, which I, I wrote about that, where you know everything had kind of been the same, more or less, for 30 years. It was an Alvarez-built program. He was the AD. He was making the hires. A lot of the hires, other than Gary Anderson, were guys that coached for him or played for him or both. People thought Jim Leonard was going to be the next one because he was one of those guys too. And Jim Leonard may still be a very successful coach, but he didn't do enough as the interim to say, I am the guy. And so you start looking around. It's like, well, if we can get Luke Fickle, there's your opportunity to try to go from very good to great and stand right alongside uh, Ohio State and Michigan. Well, speaking of just Wisconsin as like a, uh, you know, a, a consistent program, I mean, it's probably arguably one of been, been the most consistent since Alvarez got there in 1990, maybe one of the more consistent in the country. They've had 10, 10 win seasons in 17 years. 10, 10 win seasons, pretty incredible. And they've had no losing seasons over that stretch since 2005. They've had no losing seasons. So you got to go back to 2001. So they are an established program. And for him, I think it is. It's a it's this pretty pretty smart decision and obviously a brilliant decision by their side to make this, this move and kind of lure him out. I think everybody just kind of figured that Jim Litter would get the job. Early in the coaching search, I know that Richard Johnson, uh, Pat and I's colleague, had heard that they were really doing a real search and that um, that they were actually pooling some big names. And then all of a sudden, it kind of died off. And, you know, they started winning under Leonard. And uh, you kind of thought, okay, well, I guess they're going to hire Jim. And, and then, man, you know, out of nowhere, a big splash. Yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah, I think I think people thought that they would would resort to falling back into that and I, I just it wasn't just wasn't like an exciting hire like uh, you know we're thinking last weekend is they're they're getting beat by 
Minnesota, you know, they barely beat Nebraska. They get beat by Iowa. You know, like how, where is the momentum of saying, here we go, we got Jim Leonard and and everyone's looking Mm -hmm. and going, well, like, okay. Um, He just didn't, you know, like I said, you beat Nebraska 15 to 14. But I think everyone thought that and everyone thought, hey, Fickle doesn't have to jump because they're going in the Big 12. And, you know, but hey, you know what? I think he looked and said, this is the fourth best job in the Big 10, the fifth best job in the Midwest. Could throw in uh, Notre Dame in there. And I'm going to take it, and it's got potential. And, you know, I'm 100 miles from the west suburbs of, of Chicago where there's a bunch of players. Yep. And, uh, you know, I'm all two hours something to downtown. Two and a half, two, well, it depends on the traffic. I think two hours from O'Hare. But um, <laughs> if you go at like three in the morning, you can get there really quickly. <laughs> maybe. About the only time. Maybe. Maybe. Not even then. Yeah. Uh, but whatever. So. Great, great hire. This is going to be exciting. I watched his press conference. He's very excited, and he just had a lot of confidence in it. And uh, he's interested. He was like, I'm just not the guy that could think about it. I'm spending all my time thinking about, you know, Cincinnati's game. But then it's like, you know, I'm talking to my wife. Like, we're going to do that. We got to do this. We got to do this. So they Mm -hmm. they did a great job recruiting him. And like I said, Madison, Wisconsin's got a lot, a lot to offer. Great college town. Great college town. Big coup for the Big Ten. Uh, we're going to get to the other hire in a sec. Uh, actually, let's do it. We'll go to Auburn later. But Nebraska gets Matt Rule over the mm-hmm. weekend. He turned it down last week. He, they they work out the numbers. He comes in. He's 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 a talker. He re, he built up Temple. He took over Baylor and did such a good job. People, it's hard to remember how bad of a situation Baylor was. Like he turned a disaster into just a little hiccup. Uh, and now he's got some NFL experience, which no matter how bad you are in the NFL, it's still it's still a, a bonus. And I think we all think Nebraska has enormous potential because of their NIL possibilities and their fan base. And can you can a guy like Matt Rule bridge the gap of where the hell are we getting players? Because it's the only thing missing at Nebraska mm-hmm. is players. So, Ross, thoughts on Matt Rule? Yeah, just visiting there like six weeks ago or so, I spent – three or four days there and uh they've got it all except one thing you know they've got the resources uh they got the they building a 160 million dollar new football facility to replace a facility that most power five teams would uh would like to have they fill the stadium the fans are incredible you know they're the only game in town uh they got a lot of money they got a lot of nil money they've got it all except except a nearby recruiting footprint with with a lot of talent that's that's what uh, that's what they're missing. So, I I don't I, obviously it was a a big hire. I think that yeah, it, it almost didn't work out. I think that this was probably you talked to folks up at was uh, at Nebraska, and this is maybe the third time that they had circled back to rule um, talking to him. The first time a few weeks ago, it didn't work out for whatever reason, and they circled back because you know. I, I think that there were quite a bit of people who have current college jobs who did not want the Nebraska job. I do. And uh, and so they had a, they circled back to him and and it worked out in the end. I think they got really who they wanted to be, to at the start. I really think they had zeroed in on him being the guy. It, it sure seems like. And yeah, I, you know, he he uh, he's got an incredible resume in college, uh, incredible turnarounds at Temple and Baylor. He is he is a win the press box guy or win the press conference guy too. You saw it yesterday. Like I think he's the son of a preacher. I mean, it 
you could tell, you know, he is enthusiastic and bubbly and uh, talkative and, and man, you, you can, you can see why he, why kids want to go play for him. So he's got to find players. He's got to get them to Lincoln, Nebraska. That's about all they're missing. Yeah. I mean, I thought they did absolutely as well as they could to get Matt rule. The one thing, and I, I think this will be fine, but you know, the, the college world's changed since Matt Rule was last in it in 2019. We all know the big changes, the transfer, immediate immediate eligibility transfer and NIL. But he's a smart guy. He's been actually been out of work for like eight weeks. He, can, he probably had a chance to study up knowing he was going back to the college game uh, and start working on staff and everything else. So I don't think it will be a huge impediment. But, you know, a good solid football guy for a place that needs a good, solid football coach. Scott Frost was lightning in a bottle, who was a nostalgia guy who played there and everything. He had one great season, and there was not enough, I think, base built in on how to run a program, how to just have a a solidly built program, and Matt Rule has those things. He knows how – he knows what he is doing – he knows how to play good defense. He knows how to run the ball. He knows how to recruit. Uh, he's going to be able to, I would imagine, reestablish some recruiting ties in Texas, which Nebraska will need. And then, yeah, you lean into the strengths of what the program has. Ridiculous fan base, great passion, and a willingness to do what it takes for Nebraska to succeed again. So to to Ross's point, this was hard work for Trev, Trev Alberts because, A, Matt Rule had to be convinced – uh, after it didn't look like it was going to happen, and B, like the college guys weren't, nobody was really like running to come to Nebraska. You know, they kicked the tires on Chris Kleiman at Kansas State. I don't think he had any interest. I'm sure they tried many others, and so this was kind of a. There were a lot of eggs in that basket for Trev Albert. So to get it done uh, was a pretty big success for him. And and I, I think part of the reason why early on. Maybe it broke down with Rule. Is we got to remember, Rule has uh, four, had forty million dollars coming to him to do nothing at all, and, yeah. and he was on a beach. I saw that he was on a beach during his interview with Game Day, and somewhere, somewhere on a beach, and yeah, that's where I would be too. I think a lot of people would have just stayed on the beach, uh, but um, he comes to Nebraska, and clearly by the structure of his contract, I think some of the Panthers' money is is being used early in the first couple years or so, but the Panthers just got off real nicely. Instead of 40 million, maybe they have to only give five, 10, 10 million to, uh, to him. Maybe hiring him in the first place for Carolina wasn't the uh, brightest <laughs> idea. <laughs> also don't take an NFL job unless you got a quarterback gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, that's, that's the eternal good advice. Yeah. 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 Don't, don't do it. I'll, I'll be very, very interested to see where this goes and w- what they can do. Nebraska's going to have to spend money on players, but money can solve the geographic issue that has plagued them since they left the Big Twelve uh, and identity. So we will see if they can uh, they can get that done. But two home run hires out in the Big Ten West, like you said, yeah. about as good as these guys could possibly do. Upgrades the Big Ten even before Chip Kelly and Lincoln Riley show up. So it's like they got a lot of money in that league, and it's like everybody's kind of gearing up. So Yeah, that's the rising tide lifting all boats in that league from a coaching standpoint now. Wow. I mean, 
other than like Tom Allen's gotten himself onto the hot seat at Indiana. Mel Tucker has lost the golden touch from last year. Uh, Greg Schiano's kind of stalled. But other than that, everybody's pretty happy with their coaches, I think, right now. I mean, Kirk uh, Ferentz. Northwestern. No, Northwestern, yeah. But but again, what do you do there? I don't know. Get, get new coordinators and figure something yeah. out. I don't know. Yeah, it's not easy. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, let's go to the flashiest on Auburn. I believe this is just, this was destiny. <laughs> Hugh Freeze needed back in the SEC, and where else was he going to go than right. Auburn? One of the funniest things is the Auburn boosters made up and tried to manufacture a personal foible scandal to get rid of Brian Harson last year, which turned out to be untrue so that they could rally around a coach that had a personal foible scandal. <laughs> they were outraged. Oh, yeah. About something that didn't happen. So they tried to slander the guy. Also, they could hire a guy who did worse than what was alleged. Auburn at its finest right there. Yeah. You know, they just, they had to have him. I was like, where else is he going to go? <laughs> Pass. <laughs> this is going to be entertaining. That's all I kept saying. I was on Fine Bomb yesterday, and they're like, he's like, what do you think? I'm like, I love it. It's entertaining. I don't give a yeah, you know Content. Yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, what about the ethic? I'm like, it's Auburn. What? Just, here's what I like. <laughs> The announcement I mean, yesterday did not contain anything about we've hired a great leader of men yeah, and maybe. all this garbage that's completely untrue. This guy, forget the what he did to his family, lied to all his players, blocked all their transfers, lied to their recruits, stared parents in the face. We're not going on probation. It's all Houston nuts fault. It wasn't just a total... Total ethical bankrupt individual at the end at, at Ole Miss, and I don't care how he treats his wife and kids. That's that's up to him and them. But the way he treated his players, absolutely ethically bankrupt. But so don't tell me he's this great guy. But do sit there and say, hey, we need to, we need, we need some coaching. And okay, good. Let's just let's just get past the morality part and just say, hey, we needed a good, we need to win. We think this guy's going to win. Yeah. No, that's it. I think crazy attracts crazy, and this is the perfect match. This is a guy with a lot of baggage who can win games at a school that does not care at all about baggage and wants to win games. It's a school that is desperate to beat Alabama with a guy that beat Alabama back-to-back -back years, the only guy in the last decade to beat Nick Saban in back-to-back -back seasons. So... It fits, and yes, we, we can drop all the pretense, we can drop the artifice and all the 
of, you know, yeah, he's he's here to mold men and instill character yeah, and don't man be of great integrity. No, let's just say say what it is. We want to win. We think we can win with him. And so there you have it. And you know, so yes, and I will say yes to to your point, Dan. What what he did with that program was an absolute weasel move. He threw. Houston not under the bus. He lied completely to a lot of people. A lot of people believed him because he was Bible-thumping you and, um, you know, he built up these buddy-buddy relationships with a million people, and it was all completely false, and he, he that was that was a really bad, bad deal. But, okay, you, you go and you're out of, the, out of the profession for two years. He got the Greg Sankey silent show cause. <laughs> when some people tried to hire him as offensive coordinator. You go to Liberty, puts in his time there. He wins phenomenally at Liberty, including some big victories. All right, you know, fine. We're not going to sit here and say you can never go back to the SEC or anything. Go get the job. Fine, fine. And now we'll see how it goes. Eh? <laughs> Part of the deal is he's supposed to say off social media, okay? This because- is amazing. You reported this. Yeah, the contractually obligated to at least give up, you know, I don't know whether give up control, but to pass along passwords or whatever the case may be, but mostly just to stay off of it. And so, of course, last night he's tweeting a couple of times still, you know, thank you so much to Gus Malzahn. Yeah, but then that got cleared, right? That got cleared. Yeah. yeah. So imagine hiring a like 50 year old man. (laughs) <laughs> for a six, seven million dollars and saying, but we don't think you can handle a Twitter account. <laughs> like just phenomenal. And guess what? He can't. That's the thing. Good. That was really no, smart by Auburn. Good. That, it was don't yep, tweet. Yeah. You, you, yeah. No coaches you ever won a football contract. game because he tweeted. No. Yeah. Lane Kiffin. Keep that in mind. Yeah. So anyway, I don't see no, a lot I mean, of good Nick Saban tweets out there. Mm. I don't think he knows how to log on. <laughs> Somebody else can handle. Yeah, fantastic. This is so, I mean, this thing is so, so, don't be Hugh Freeze. Just run his plays, man. Run his plays. He can draw that up. Anything else he tells you, do the opposite. You know, this this uh, reminds me of one of those uh, debates of separating the art from the artist. You know, people talk about musicians and stuff like that and uh, who, you know, maybe do some unsavory things uh, off the stage. But man, Still can't get that song out of my head. Got to keep listening to that musician. And uh, can we can we separate the coach from the person? Uh, the person obviously, you know, did some things off the field. Not only as Dan mentioned with his players and lying to them about the sanctions that were coming at Ole Miss and making up stuff about Houston Nut, but obviously the escort uh, situation uh, at Ole Miss and then lying about it to. To his boss, there was a lot, a lot of lying going on. But can you separate the coach who wins a lot of games, whose staff and players seem to like to to play for him, seem to seem to love him, from the guy who off the field has done some things that uh, are, are are pretty bad? And that's the question here. Auburn, right? And no no surprise can separate that as we've as we saw. <laughs> but a lot of schools cannot. In a lot of schools passed on him over the years because they cannot separate that. I'll be honest, the the reaction from social media, and let's keep in mind, 7% of America is is on social media. So it's it's not indicative of everyone. But the reaction on social media, specifically the reaction from actually a lot of Auburn 
fans on social media was probably more visceral than I expected. There's a lot of people out there that are not separating coach from person that they can't they cannot do that. And a little there was there was more of a blowback than I thought. Of course, I'll look at social media, Auburn social media, Auburn Twitter when Freeze wins the Iron Bowl and is eleven and one. We'll we'll see we'll, we'll see how the the reaction is there because again that's when everybody probably is going to separate coach from person all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah that that's a good point that that the there was more angry Auburn fans than I expected, frankly. Yeah, because yeah. You know, I think most of them had been pretty, pretty well on with online with a bottom line program that just wins. So there, there was there was a lot of people not happy to have Hugh Freeze named. There were a lot of people that don't want Hugh Freeze and Bruce Pearl's name in the same sentence. I made a point in the story that Bruce Pearl was a reclamation hero. Why not Hugh Freeze? And boy, hey. They didn't think that was a fair uh, even to put them in the same sentence. I'm not saying they had the exact same career path or anything, but in terms of NCAA baggage, oh yeah, oh yeah. So, but uh, anyway, that that is going to be interesting to watch. I totally agree that you start four and zero, nobody's going to care, man. Not going to care, whatever. And then you get to Alabama, you win that game, definitely. Then you're a hero. So we'll see. College sports is funny. Like, they want to god up these coaches. I've said this before on here. It's like, anyone know what B- Bill Belichick's religion is? <laughs> anyone? Anyone ever heard what church he goes to, if any? No. No. And, and I wonder, if, too, that anyone know what good... Steve Kerr does? Like, you know, actually, right. he's actually, actually he is out there. Steve Kerr is, but he's got his own thing. But, like, Go ahead, Ross. I mean, it's just no, who cares? Win. Well, th- this is right. This it's a that's a good point about the religion stuff. And you know, we talked about social media, and, and as Pat wrote in his column, like you know, he's he's been he has given a I guess commitment to Auburn that he will stay off or relinquish his social media or whatever. I don't know exactly the details, but uh, he's not going to do what he's been doing, which is DMing people, which is not smart. Obviously, DM the sexual assault victim at. At liberty, just just not smart, uh, just not not something you should do. So he's made that commitment. But the religion thing is interesting because Auburn has been known for a long time as a place where religion is acceptable to discuss by its coaches, athletic directors, whoever. I mean, there you know the former AD Jay Jacobs was known around Auburn as. Brother Jay, because of the religion. I mean, this has been an acceptable thing. So we talk about perfect marriages. In a lot of levels, it is. This is another reason why. But you do wonder, given his past, if he's going to tone that down a little bit. Honestly, I don't expect that to happen. But but it is an acceptable thing. And it is, to get back to that perfect marriage, you know, start on the field, right? He's, he's beaten Nick Saban twice, their whole religion, thing fits the his connection with the school I don't think a lot of people know you know his daughter one of his daughters went to the school went to Auburn in in lives there still with her husband who's a big Auburn graduate as well he told me a couple years ago when I visited him in Lynchburg that his wife and him have discussed retiring around Auburn there's a big lake there retiring and building a house there this this made a lot of sense in a lot of ways it made a lot of sense We'll see if it works out. I think a lot of people expect it to. I do. One more quick point there. that, uh, like, Some people are like, 
man, there's a million good coaches in America, and we decided to go after Lane Kiffin and Hugh Freeze? Isn't there a bigger pool? But, Ross, you can no. correct me if I'm wrong here. I mean, they was plan A and plan B, and I'm not sure they were ready with a plan C if it hadn't worked out for you. Yeah, I, yeah, they're, they're you know, I Cohen, just like he, he did at Mississippi State, you know, according to some people in the agent industry, he he really vets a lot of people. Um, I think it was over 20 that he did a lot of work on with this. I don't know if he talked to 20. I know he talked to, I would guess, at least, a dozen or so coaches. So there, there were there were certainly a lot of a lot of options out there. But in the end, it narrowed down to the two that we kind of all expected that made the most sense. You know, I think Matt Rule was in that at some point too. And Auburn hiring Brian Harson, an outsider, uh, coming in. You know, it, it didn't work out. I think that they knew they needed to hire somebody that was not an outsider that had a had familiarity with the league and the SEC footprint, how you works in the SEC, because it is different in a lot of ways. And they needed somebody, I think, from the South and, you know, the religions to all that, all that stuff. They, it, it just, it, it did check, it did check a lot of boxes. And beyond playing, you know, beyond the, you know, Lane and, and Hugh, I, it would have been a drop off probably for the next one. Uh, it would have been a drop off as far as on the field success. It would have drop off. It would have been a drop off as far as probably fit and all that stuff. Honestly, I think I think that Hugh Freeze fits better, uh, so to speak, at Auburn than Lane Lane does. I I think that it, that one that it made a lot more sense actually. Well, Coach Prime is sitting out there, uh, so mm-hmm. we're going to get to him. We have the job for him. He he apparently mm-hmm. was offered Colorado and then just didn't comment on whether he likes it. <laughs> that was the most interesting yeah. thing, wasn't it? Yes, I've been offered the job. He's, he's like a player Period. still. He's like, I'm blessed <laughs> to receive an offer from, like, in a tweet. <laughs> I, I mean, Prime doesn't do anything like the other coaches. You no, he doesn't. Nope. You couldn't get one of these coaches to admit, like, hey, um, did uh, you get an offer from Colorado? Colorado, never heard of it. What? What is that? It's a state. Have you heard of the state of Colorado? No, no, I I don't know anything about that. I'm just a little old. There's football. been no contact. No contact. No yeah, he's just like, yeah, I got an yeah. offer. And then he's yeah. like, I'm a, yeah, hysterical. How, do you, think, how do you think ADs, other ADs feel when they see that? I mean, I hope he takes that job because I, this is the exact reason we talked about him in this situation where he's going to go, you know, a while ago. And and part of the reason is like ADs don't want to deal with him. They don't want to deal with the celebrity in the circus. He does what he wants, when he wants. He says what he wants, when he wants. And this is such a great example of that. It's amazing, yes. though. They would rather deal with the guy with, like, baggage off the charts yeah. than a <laughs> yeah. guy, yeah. right? You know, so, yeah, I don't know. It's it's going to be very, very interesting. I'm going to add this little point, and I don't mean to turn this into some kind of, like, religious war, but this is I, – I looked this up, and I'm kind of interested. So, like, third – so – 49% of Alabama, according to Pew Research, is evangelical Christian. Mm-hmm. 86% is Christian. 12% mm. of Alabama is either atheist or agnostic. Mm. Now, 30% of the country is. Like, it's a massively yeah. growing thing. And I wonder, because, you know, there was a lot of backlash, you said. And you go, ah, oh, Auburn's a, a Christian school, kind of. And it is. I mean, 49 and 86 are very big numbers. Yeah. Yes. But I bet amongst the college, I bet amongst Auburn students and graduates, that 12% is actually higher. Yeah. And that so it's still overwhelming. 
but there's going to be a faction just like, oh my God, keep that out. You know, like there, it, 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 it's a changing of America. And so it's kind of, I'd find that part interesting because I do believe to Ross's point, he will continue to insert religion into everything. And, and that's his thing. And that might work, but this isn't Auburn of 20 years ago either. That's a very good point. That's a changing demographic and universities tend to be you know, whether it's even left, more left wing or 50, just more maybe secular. Maybe it's 20%, more, but yeah, yeah more, more secular. secular. Maybe it's 20% yeah. of Auburn grad. I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm only going with the Pew. I mean, Pew seems pretty reasonable. They got all stuff, but kind of fascinating uh, on all of that. Do you have to be a Christian to coach in the SEC? <laughs> yeah, you might. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Like, how many SEC coaches believe dinosaurs existed? Like, stuff like that. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Like, it's not 100%. It's not 100%. Let me just say that, okay? No, uh, we, I, we, we, learned, we learned during, uh, during COVID that uh, the vast majority of uh, college head coaches, right, they, they lean one way on, yeah, on this, uh, their this issue. They lean that way. So, yeah, Coach Prime. All right, so Coach Prime. Uh, look, Prime. if I'm running Auburn, I'm hiring Coach Prime. It's, I, I, if I'm given the Hugh Freeze or Coach Prime choice, I'm like, wait, what? You're offering me like a chicken nugget and a prime rib. Like, this is not, <laughs> are you kidding me? But there's a reason I don't run Auburn, okay? So doesn't do A it. few reasons. Colorado, does Coach Prime go to Colorado? The job he's got to do, okay? These, these big schools don't want him. I, I don't even want to get into it, okay? And, and he's got some stuff he's got to work on working well with others. Like he had a fight with like the Clarion ledger reporter while he was at, uh, Over you know, what to call to- him. Yeah. Dion versus coach prime. Wanted the reporter to call him yeah. coach or coach prime and coach of prime. Dion. Right. And, and the coverage is too negative. Like, look, if you're coaching yeah. Auburn, the moment you don't go for it on fourth down, it doesn't work. The whole next day on WJOX bad. is yeah. ripping you. It, That's just part of the job. You yeah. can't be like, I don't want to yeah. deal with the me- the local media. Like, well, they're going to deal with you. So yeah. you just got to get over that. But so there's some there might be some things, but this guy is is winning games and he can recruit like nobody else. OK, this is the job I want him to take. Since all these others didn't work out. U.N.L.V. <laughs> yeah. Coach Prime in Vegas. <laughs> They've got the stadium now. They've got all like, the Fertitta brothers are built like they built a nice facility there on campus. Coach Prime at UNLV. <laughs> Riding around in his golf cart. Come on. The, Give the it 21st to us. 21st century Tark? Yes. Oh us, us humble podcasters are begging. <laughs> Coach Prime, I tried to get you a job in the SEC, the Pac 12, everything else. Now you got to do something for me. Take the UNLV job. <laughs> No Colorado. Yeah. That's boring. They got weeds legal in Vegas too, as as with everything else. <laughs> yeah, everything else. People. Oh man, it, it does. It makes a lot of sense. Like Dion in Vegas, it really does. Although I think, yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, he publicly said he was offered the job, so I think we we know that. I don't. I don't think that Dion Sanders, coaching at Jackson State, is turning down a Power Five job. So unless something else that opens, po- yeah. you, you don't which, think he'll turn down well, Colorado. I don't think he will. I really don't. I don't think he will. But you never know. You never know. You get don't predict Dion. Don't predict Coach Prime. So, uh, but I don't think he had a chance. 
at a lot of these jobs. Again, I don't think ADs wanted to deal with him and not even ADs. I don't think university presidents wanted to deal with him. And then some university presidents, I think, were looking at what happened at Prime Prep Academy too. So, you know, it goes back all that stuff. But I think he had no shot at everybody else, we can overlook in... all sorts of crap. That's right. That's right. Yes. <laughs> Come on. Yes, yeah. yes. Come on. I wonder uh, what's different. Academic scandal, Dan. Academic what's hookers. What's different academic about scandal. one hookers, guy and the other? What yeah. is the yeah. difference? <laughs> I can't figure it out. <laughs> I, I wonder what that exactly. didn't. It's not like, you know, visible on first look or anything. No, either. no. Couldn't figure it out. No. God, they're just mm-hmm. identical. I just, I don't know what the difference is. I can't imagine. Come on, mm-hmm. man. I think uh, too. You know, he would love to have been in Atlanta, and I don't. I don't think they even sniffed around at all. I don't think that they had. A I don't think Georgia all. Tech was great spot for him. Yeah, but yeah, who knows? No, because that you can change. You yeah, can change a lot of it. So, but let's just let's let's set this stage here. If Dion goes to Colorado, where he would be a brilliant hire and would give him a chance, they've tried everything else. All right, they have tried yep. everything else. Give it a shot. If it works, here's what the SEC, among others, let get away. A guy who was born in Fort Myers, Florida. A guy who played college football in Florida. A guy who has worked and won games in Mississippi. A guy who has recruited the hell out of the South. And you're going to let that guy go to Colorado? And if he wins there, man, shame on the SEC schools that didn't want to deal with Deion Sanders. And he's in. He's on like 17 commercials during all your SEC games with Nick Saban. Nick Saban, that's right. Yeah, but he's that's difficult. Right. And yeah, like I said, it's, there's. But what what is it? Do you just assume that the, a guy like we're sitting here? Well, Hugh Freeze can change. He, he he'll use his private phone <laughs> if he's making those calls. Like, okay, good. <laughs> right. That's pretty much what people are like. Just don't use your university cell phone. I don't care what the hell you do on recruiting trips. I, fine. I, me neither. I didn't marry the dude, but. Coach Prime, come on. We want that. Vegas. I don't want Colorado. I want Vegas. Mountain West. <laughs> He's not doing I mean, Vegas. He's not doing Vegas. It would be Vegas. fun. It would Somebody be a lot of Vegas. fun. And hey, maybe that would be Vegas's chance to get in the Pac-12. You bring in Prime, you start winning, move on over. I, I will go to Vegas Chief press conference. I will take an edible. I will <laughs> I'll call him Coach Prime. I'll yeah. do whatever that you'd be become, become the, the Las writer. Vegas Review Journal beat writer, man. I'll do it. I'm gonna apply. Yeah. No, let's do this. <laughs> um, all right, we're gonna get uh, one more Cincinnati. What about Cincinnati? Yes, briefly, because yes. Coach Prime could be a candidate there too. I don't know, right? But I, he I should be. So there's some debate that Urban Meyer goes back. There's okay. some little buzz out there. I can't see that. Urban likes to have a stacked deck. He mm-hmm. he ain't dumb, and they don't have a stacked deck. Right. Right. If you if you if you go from from Florida to Ohio State, I'm not sure you're ready to. He he, he got he had a non-stack deck at Jacksonville. How did that work out? Not too well. <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't handle losing well enough. And Cincinnati's a good job. It's a really good job. You look at a place with a list of coaches who have gotten it done there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mark D'Antonio, Brian Kelly. Butch Jones was very successful before mm-hmm. he went to Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Luke Fickle's the next one. They've got a ton of players there. They have a niche that they have done a great job recruiting too. in terms of you can get not just Cincinnati guys, but you can get Ohio guys that are that level below the where Ohio State wants or the level below Michigan wants. 
Uh, you can get up into Detroit. You can get, you know, you can get around to a lot of places. I, I, I love the job. I think it's a really good place. I think it will get harder probably. You go into the Big 12. Look, we saw that with TCU when they went into that league. It took them a while. So it's not – you don't just walk in and, and dominate the way that you did at uh, in the American Athletic Conference, but they should get real good candidates. They've got some internal candidates because Fickles had good staffs. I think Dion should absolutely be a candidate. Uh, Ryan Walters at uh, Colorado, if he's not getting the Colorado – I'm sorry, Colorado graduate. He's at Illinois. He's the defensive coordinator. If he's not getting Colorado, I think he should be a candidate. Tom Herman. Uh, Tom Herman. Tom, yeah, there, there's been some people say that that Herman is not a candidate there for okay. one reason or another. I mean, so he's, he's trying got, to get back to Houston, I thought. Yeah. So, but whatever, you know, and now they're in there. But yeah. So It'll, no, they they will not have a shortage, I think, of good choices at Cincinnati. No, it that's it seems like a great job. And and like you said, when we talked about Fickle leaving, I think one of the probably one of the reasons he left was because they're moving out of a league where they're top in resources and they're moving into a, a conference. Well they'll They'd probably be in the bottom or midway, mid-level through the as far as resources. And it, it was brought up to me, this is an interesting point. I never really thought about it. But the teams that are coming from the group of five that are moving into a power five league are, are media rights-wise, their media right cut. You know, and let's use Cincinnati, for example. I think they were getting $6 million a year for media rights. And they're going into a league where they'll get 30 or 40 a year. And they'll be competing against teams that have for 10 to 15 to 20 years been getting, you know, maybe not 30 to 40, but been getting five times that money. There's a lot of catch up that needs to be done, probably. You are kind of in the hole. And I wonder how big of a, a reason that was in him leaving. Actually, people were to use that, them moving up to a power five as, oh, He'll stay. You know, they're moving up to the Power Five. He'll be in the Power Five. But actually, it might have been a, a reason he left uh, because they're moving out of a league where they're not top dog when it comes to resources. Yeah, that's uh, that's going to be a very, very interesting and important hire for Cincinnati, to say the least. All right, we're going to pick all the games, talk championship week, as I said, on Race for the Case on, on Thursday. I wanted to get to these two stories before we go. And I, this is from uh, both from the Daily Mail. Because I, honestly, no. we go. my life is just so much better with Daily Mail online. <laughs> I just, whoever invented the internet and allowed me to read a British tabloid every day and laugh, <laughs> it's the greatest publication on earth. And I'm going to give you this. We're all journalists here. This lead is absolutely tremendous. Okay. Yep. Hope Smith. Hope Smith from the Daily Mail. Congratulations. Great work here. There was no collecting $200 for one Oklahoma man who went directly to jail after firing a gun at his family members during a game of Monopoly on Saturday. Oh, well done. Well done, Hope Smith. Yes. <laughs> Absolute gold. That is the perfect lead. <laughs> That's tremendous. Great That's writing. very good. And yeah, <laughs> and you're sitting in London or wherever the Daily Mail is. I assume that's writing about this dude in Tulsa. Yeah, right. You get this wire copy. Oh, here we got something on a, a shooting during a Monopoly game in Tulsa. Oh, I got this. Just brilliant. Here we go. Anyway, this is our our quick shape up America segment here. Ronald John Ronald Dwayne Armstrong was arrested in Tulsa after a round of the game erupted in an argument with a table and the game board being flipped. <laughs> 
Uh, and then he chased his stepsister and stepfather down the street while pointing a gun at them <laughs> oh, God. and fired off four rounds. Oh, my. He's got too many names. John yeah. Ronald Dwayne something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is don't play Monopoly with a guy with four names. Okay, yeah. right there. Rule one. People, we got to do better. Okay. <laughs> you might be surprised about the fifth paragraph in this story. Upon arrival, officers learned the family members have been drinking while playing the game. <laughs> Was this a Thanksgiving uh, yeah, game? Yeah, Thanksgiving or weekend. Beautiful. Now, oh, we beautiful. have no details on what sparked this in the game, but I got to say, this better be a dispute about Boardwalk or Park Place. Okay. <laughs> if you're fighting over Baltic or Mediterranean. Yeah, right. If this you know. is Venter Avenue, if this is Marvin Gardens, <laughs> Waterworks, like you, uh, life sentence. This better be about Boardwalk or Park Place. You got to have standards, but do not shoot each other over Monopoly people. Come on. St. Charles Place, no. Vermont, no. Park Place, okay. Park, I mean, maybe, maybe. I got to yeah. hear more. I got to hear more. Yeah. So you like, like Marvin Gardens is the high end of the yellow category there. So I, you know, I could see a little bit of temper flaring there. A little bit, yeah. And then, and then what are the the green ones? There's one green one that's better than the others. I can't remember. Well, always that third one is always a little bit. Yeah, the third one's the, the high rent. Street. All right, Ross had to go and do some reporting, so um, he couldn't stick around for this nonsense. I don't blame him. Uh, so we're gonna have a two man people's court, and and we have a one of our great cases. This was sent to me a million times, so I have to get to this. All rise. The Honorable Judge Wenzel, Judge Forty, and Judge Dellinger presiding. This is the People's Court. Okay, a Florida woman is suing the Kraft Heinz Company for five mm. million dollars, and they are, she is claiming they misled the public about the time it takes to prepare its Velveeta microwavable mac and cheese cups. Okay, <laughs> this is the lawsuit was filed down in Florida. The argument goes that the box, uh, the, 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 the writing on the Velveeta shells and cheese cup says it takes three and a half minutes to prepare. Quote, ready in three and a half minutes is printed on the box. But that is the amount of time you have to cook it in the microwave. What she is saying is that is not ready in three and a half box minutes because, and I cite from the lawsuit, First, consumers must remove the lid and the cheese sauce pouch. That takes time. <laughs> Next, does? they must add water to the fill line in the cup and stir. Then they microwave. And finally, they have to stir in the contents of the cheese sauce pouch. And note, and the, and the, the recipe notes that the cheese sauce will thicken upon standing, which is an undetermined amount of time. <laughs> so, does craft. Mac and cheese or whatever. Kraft, Vel Kraft Heinz Company and their Velveeta mac and cheese. Oh, this woman, uh, Amanda Ramirez, $5 million because it took longer than three and a half minutes to make her shells and cheese cup. $5 million is Five what she's million. seeking. Okay. Modest, modest It says goal. three and a half minutes and it is not <laughs> three and a half minutes. Well, I mean, her time is valuable, all right? We don't just all have, we're not just all made of time to sit around and wait for the cheese to thicken. So I'm going to start with that, and then I'm going to double down and say, this is one of my pet peeves. I get recipes from the New York Times and make them and stuff, and they'll say, you know, 
45 minutes. It's like, wait a minute. It takes a long time to chop stuff up yeah, yeah. and get out all the ingredients and put it all together. So it's like 45 minutes is an hour and a half. So I'm with Amanda Ramirez. There's too much lying about how easy it is to cook. We need more truth out there. And she needs $5 million. There Give you go. There you go. Yeah, those mm-hmm. 45. It's like, this isn't beat Bobby Flay. Like, I don't know how to cook this thing in 45 minutes. I agree. Like, it takes, I don't have knife skills like those guys. Like, they take down a carrot in like two seconds. Yeah. I'm just trying to keep all all 10 fingers on here. Uh, I'm picking up pieces of carrot on the floor that I've shot down there. I got to say, I mean, she's all, the facts of this case are 100% correct. They're undeniable. Mm -hmm. If it takes three and a half minutes to cook, it is not ready in three and a half minutes. You have to do these other things. So I'm on Ramirez. Get you, yep. get, it, please put on your little box. This is ready in minutes. That's fair. Could be a yes, hundred minutes. You don't know how good of a cook we are out there. And if we're cooking Velveeta mac and cheese cups in a microwave, we're probably not trained chefs. <laughs> Perhaps not. <laughs> uh, well, yes, the, the, and we've talked about this, boy, we talked about this on stories we've done, like better to be generally right than specifically wrong. Yes, so don't yes. put a specific time on there. As you said, ready in minutes is better than saying three and a half and having somebody there with a stopwatch saying, nope, that was 402. Get your, get your crap together there, Kraft Heinz, Velveeta. They're all, they're all the same company. Big, big food is taking over. Kraft Heinz, <laughs> Velveeta, all one company. I'm scared. I'm scared. Go Ramirez. You're standing up for the regular person out there. I'm on her side on this one. Do it. Uh, All right. That is our, uh, that's our show. Uh, We'll be back Thursday with the, uh, the picks. I'm going to win the race for the case this weekend. Uh, We'll see about, Oh, it's going to be so good. It's going to be so good. (laughs) And uh, we will uh, continue to share us on social media. Tell your friends about us. Subscribe. The off season gets great too. We have a lot of fun. Never ends. Old bananas next week. This is great. Going to be a big week. One other quick note for oh. people, for our listeners. Wednesday, Wetzel the Gelding runs again. Oh, that's Mahoning right. Mahoning Valley. The horse runs again. We are. I have talked to the owners. Have you really? Yes. Oh. I may become a, an investor. I may become an owner. <laughs> oh, I love We're it. We're working on the deal. Uh, okay. We're going to race. Wetzel the horse is going to race Wednesday. We will have the results. And then yep. we're taking the winter off because it's cold up in uh, in Ohio. <laughs> Yeah, uh, my good. horse is soft. Apparently, I'm <laughs> I'm the LSU fan of of Wetzel the horses. Not happy about it, but they know a little more about it than me. They do. And I don't, I'm not an owner yet, but I'm gonna buy a little share of this thing. I'm getting in. I love trying. It. We'll see. We'll see. I'm gonna sue Kraft and get five million and buy the horse. <laughs> there. I don't think it's worth five million. Oh God, no! You'd be overpaying dramatically. Yeah, let's, yeah. Let's that's all right. Up. We're coming, Derby. Get ready, Derby. (laughs) See you in Louisville. All right, we'll talk to you later.